Hello, and welcome to the Guilty Pleasure Podcast. I'm Amanda Salvatore. And I'm Jackie Ray Bell. And today's guest was Adam Lustig. And we talked about Allen Iverson and the NBA and basketball. And it was really great. Adam is super passionate about Allen Iverson and about basketball that Amanda and I are now passionate about Allen Iverson and basketball. I am super passionate. If you'd like to reach us, you can email us at guiltypleasurepodcast at gmail.com. Or find us on social medias of your choosing, Facebook and Instagram, but more more than that, more than that, if you really like what you're hearing, we encourage you to go to iTunes and leave us a review and let us know what you think about the podcast because it could really help Amanda and I in our search to no longer have to work day jobs. And provide good content. Provide good, good content. We're going to have a website coming out soon and we're going to have a bunch of shit coming out soon. So keep an eye out for that. And, you know. Thanks for listening. Thanks for, thanks for listening. Thanks Thank for letting us into your lives. I hope your day is fantastic. <laughs> Me too, I guess. The Nerdist School Network. For class and show information, visit NerdistSchool.com. Guess what's cooking at the Nerdist School Network? It's, it's Foodie, Foodie Call. Call. A new podcast hosted by Omar Nava. And Kylie Hodges. Join us every Tuesday as we interview a hilarious guest to discuss their favorite food. And we ask, what's your secret sauce? In cooking, in life, or in whatever. And you especially don't want to miss Omar's weekly grocery flyer rundown. Seriously, how pissed would you be if you missed a killer meat sale? So go and subscribe to Foodie Call wherever you get your podcasts. Want to nominate a guest for the show? Just go to foodiecallpodcast.com. Okay, come on, we gotta go. Where? There's a meat sale. You're just all raw no. talent. She's I'm so You're just natural. uncut, raw, untrained. <laughs> I took just a lot of imp- I took improv classes, but I never took like straight up legit acting classes. Yeah. I had an acting class in college yeah. where we had to like recite a monologue from mm-hmm. like a song. We had to like deliver a song lyric. <gasps> and I chose. Do you remember what you did? Yeah, I remember what I chose. <laughs> it was a brand new song called, I think it was 70 times 7. <laughs> And the, the, the monologue the goes like song. it's a math song. Yeah, the the, the yeah. no no no, no. the line basically it's like so it's basically like the guy is hoping that the girl like is getting drunk and she gets into an accident driving home. It's oh, like God. really that dramatic. Is, that's dark. That's I'm intense, dark. Jackie. Jackie, you're so moody and dark. I'm God. dark. My you're... Zanga handle was X Jade X Morbid X. I'm morbid. Dark. Whoa, morbid. Yeah. Wow, Jackie. Jackie's so a very positive dark. human. I just water on myself. <laughs> Are we recording, by the way? Yes. Oh, oh great. <laughs> we love a banter. sensible banter. Banter, yeah. banter, banter, banter. Exactly. That is the darkest thing I've I think I've ever heard you say. Did you have a dark streak, Amanda? Were you like weirdly gothy as a teen was... or as a preteen? Were you angsty? Oh, yeah. Plenty angsty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I never, I went to Catholic school. Mm-hmm. So did I. So, yeah, so that makes you angry. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I. Coed I, or all. Coed. All, yeah. Co-ed. Oh, yeah. Okay. Definitely, definitely coed. With uniforms and everything. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Did you go through high school or did you only go through eighth grade? No, I went through high school and college. I oh, didn't wow. have a uniform in college, though. But having a uniform, here's my thing about a uniform. I miss it. It's not, it's something about it is nice. There's something so consistent about it. And you do like, you are able to 
be an individual yep. with a co- with a costume on with a costume we, my school like costume. costume yeah but you like it's a variation on a theme yeah. so my high school for my uniform to show how angsty I was <laughs> I wore my sister's <laughs> oh sweater take that, that had, authorities yeah and boy pants take that gender yeah. gender yeah gender imbalance. norms yes exactly oh so, I would roll my skirt up oh, oh Jackie no. you bad girl girl well, I got written up so much mm-hmm. for like yes. everything well you know the Albert Einstein thing that he wore the exact same thing every single day really yes he had like just multiple copies of the exact same outfit forever so he could just mechanize that part of his brain wouldn't have to think about it could think about other things yeah he so didn't... the uniform was like a scientific advantage wow. Daniel Radcliffe did the similar thing for Equus so I saw that. every time he would leave Equus, that was a theater, a, yes. play, a play that a, was in New York a City, that's a Broadway play, a Broadway play. <laughs> he would exit Trained in the exact same outfit he always did. So this way, when the paparazzi would get a photo of him, it wouldn't work. It would always just look like the same, the same night day over and over like and over. Day that's so situation. smart for him. I actually saw that play and I sat on stage for it. Whoa. Yeah. And so um, and I actually directed a piece from that in college. Cool. I love that play. Great. Excellent play. It's about a boy who fucks a horse. Sorry to be <laughs> yes. um, just. Yeah, to, just to kind of put our cards know. out on the table here. Uh, I, like, that's <laughs> is another... that what it's about? It's about yes. why you fucks a horse. Yeah, okay, got well, it. I just want to be clear. <laughs> there's like, it's suggested. Suggested. Um, suggestively fucks a horse. Yeah, he suggestively fucks the horse. Got it. But um, he does get naked. Ooh. I did see Daniel Radcliffe's peen. You're a wizard, Harry. Yeah, he was. I got to <laughs> see the wand. Yeah. Many <laughs> jokes were made. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but... Excellent actor. Yeah, he really yeah, is a good actor. He's a really good actor. But I he's find impressed. clothing, I find dressing myself a str- to be fairly stressful. And uh, just to yeah. piggyback on your point, Amanda, yeah. I sometimes wish that we all just had uniform. Yeah. Just adult clothing uniforms. Uh, you can do that. You can pull an Albert and Just choose do that. that. Yeah, you can you just can choose, choose to wear that. the same thing. Because I don't want to have to freaking think about it anymore. It's That's like right. too much. Like I wasn't trained to like know what to wear every day. Like right. I just wore the same right. pants. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, and now that I'm working from home, I literally just wear just my sweatpants like yeah. all the time. And the fact that I have jean shorts on right now is formal actually wear. <laughs> this is this Jackie, is mine as well. Be black tie. I Jackie up walked you. up and I was like, "Whoa, those Ooh. are Jackie." Is that Diane von Furstenberg? No, it's Jackie. It's just Jackie in jean shorts. <laughs> I actually, I actually, I did. I like was getting ready to leave, and I like looked at my eyebrows in the mirror, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" So I tweezed my eyebrows did before you? I met. Him. Podcast. Gotta get podcast ready. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I thought about taking a shower and then didn't. So that's how I prepared hygienically for this podcast. Your natural musk. Natural musk. I love it. My natural Elon Musk. And you also wore long sleeve shirt (laughs) on top of not showering in a room that's gonna get real hot. To trap in the sweat heat. (laughs) To trap in my sweat and my smell and my musk. Wonderful. So welcome to the podcast. I'm so thrilled to be here. We're so thrilled to have you. Thank you guys. You're two of my favorite humans. I'm so happy that you're here with this podcast. Oh my God, we have that on record. <laughs> yeah, and you guys are humans, no? We are. Yes. Okay, yeah, yes. they're definitely two of my favorites. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're one of our favorite humans oh, for that's sure. Sweet. Adam, uh, Adam Lustig is the coach for our sketch team, The Vanities. So proud we've director. been working with him. F- proud director. Yes. Proud director. Um, he's. We've been working with him for a year, and he's Can an absolute that? delight. Oh, Jackie. Yeah. So we've actually had everyone on The Vanities on the podcast. Is that so, true? Yes. Yep. So now you Bad are like. Cleanup. Now you are just like the cake the topper. Top. <laughs> the cake you topper. are the cherry on yes, top. Exactly. Love it. Save the oldest for last. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're I don't, I don't know if you're the oldest. Oh, maybe not. Am I not the oldest person? I don't, in the think, you are. Oh, I don't think you are. Maybe we can talk about this off mic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe <laughs> to edit. I don't think you're the oldest. Anyway, yeah. what is your guilty pleasure? 
Well, my guilty pleasure uh, is so I, I am a big sports fan mm-hmm. uh, and a basketball fan specifically. And my favorite basketball player of all time, ever since I was a kid, uh, is Allen Iverson. Yay! Allen Iverson! Yay! Allen! So I'd say that my my sort of fiery, passionate fandom for Allen Iverson is my guilty pleasure. Yeah. Uh, it's a pleasure in that he, uh, I love basketball and he, I think is one of the cool, and we'll sort of get into his legacy obviously and sort of like why he's the best to He's me. epic. He's, he's epic. epic as hell. Yeah. Um, and just a real iconoclast and doesn't really give an F. And like speaking of dress code and uniforms, like he literally, he was the impetus for the NBA installing a dress code into the league. That's what and I we heard. can get into that because he was dressing so crazy and like too quote unquote hood and a little too quote unquote street for the NBA. And they were like, all right, you guys need to wear suits. Because he was showing up to games like in like huge baggy cargo shorts and so blinged oh. out with ice everywhere. And like the fans and the players and the teens mm-hmm. loved it and was like, look at this individual expressing himself in his clothing, like mm-hmm. being his unfettered raw self. And then, but sort of the, you know, corporate overlords of the NBA had to be like, yeah, tone it down, Alan, wear a suit and shape up. Well, oh. I actually read that he is the reason, like, he wore that elbow sleeve. That's right. That, like, and, like, you know, how basketball players sometimes wear sleeves, like goth kids from yeah, Hot Topic. Yes. Alan Iverson. Total Hot Topic. <laughs> Alan Iverson started that trend. He was the original emo basketball but player. Like, what he I, was, though. I thought that was, like, <laughs> for your health. Well, it no? was so he had elbow tendonitis, okay. and like that was his thing. So he put it on initially to as like a, for your health, whatever I don't know, like for insulation, ch- whatever it yeah. does. Um, but then I think the injury healed, and then he just kind of kept wearing it as a fashion statement, and yeah. then it just sort of caught on. Kobe Bryant adopted it. Some other players sort of adopted this like elbow sleeve and even like the calf sleeve. And I think it's hard to tell at this point whether it's like purely aesthetic or whether it actually has some medical function. Does well, he switch it around? Does he do like a left yeah. elbow or a right elbow depending on the mood, or is it always? I think the with same? Iverson, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was his right elbow. Uh, but again, I think that once it sort of lost its medical function. I think it's freestyle. I yeah. think you just like, uh, <laughs> I think it could be neon green. You could wear it wherever you want. It's well, just like a cool fashion Okay, thing. so sidebar. I know yes. nothing about basketball. Oh, like, great. Literally nothing. I have a general idea of how the sport is won and played. Yeah. But when Jack, it, you're when, from Queens. I know. <laughs> you should like all from Queens, though. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, it's fine. Anyway, I don't know anything about basketball. So when you said Alan Iverson for the podcast, I was like, okay, I got to read the <laughs> fuck up. Yeah. Literally, like, I remember, like, seeing basketball games, like, clips at bars or at parties and yes. I remember seeing basketball players with these calf and elbow sleeves yeah. just being like what are they cold are they chilly I Why just assumed they- everybody was hurt all the all time, the time. And right. it's a little bit of both. I think it maybe is a little cold in the arena, and everyone's a little hurt all the time. Yeah. yeah. One really embarrassing thing, and then I'll let you guys go. <laughs> no, please. Uh, so I also don't know how most sports are played. <laughs> Football's the next one. Yes. <laughs> so you know how, like, on television when you watch football, there's, like, line markers? Yes. Yes. I didn't realize those were computer generated. You thought they were drawn oh, on the field. no. And when I went to see my very first and only football game, which was a Jets game, I, like, get there, and I sit down, and I'm like, where are the numbers? Where's the neon line? Where's the floating neon line? Yeah, where's that? It changes. How where's, do they do that? Where's the hovering, levitating green neon line? I mean, and, I mean they do have the, the markers, though. Yeah. They have those big orange markers yes. for you, Jack. Yeah, no. Oh, so no. I don't know how many sports are played, but I have read the entire Ivan, uh, Alan, I, Iverson. Al, Alan Iverson Wikipedia yes. page. So, I'm oh, so ready you to know talk as much as anybody else. Yeah, it's So I would say the brief overview for Alan Iverson noobs, uh, yes. to put it that way. And so for other Iverson virgins, yes. I would say that the very, very brief overview is Alan Iverson 
was born in 75, mm-hmm. I want to say 74, 75 in mm-hmm. Hampton, Virginia, kind of a rough and tumble neck of Virginia. Uh, he grew up kind of rough. I think his mom was 15 maybe yes. when she had him. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he kind of grew up with kind of the sort of, you know, socioeconomic odds stacked against him to a certain degree. Was a freak athlete, mm-hmm. an amazing, prodigious, a prodigy of an athlete who was better at football than he even was at basketball and was the star of his high school uh, football and basketball teams, point guard for the basketball team, quarterback in the football team. His trajectory, he assumed that he was going to be a professional football player. He was so good at it. Uh, And he was six feet. So he's really, again, by professional basketball standards, he's a little guy. By football standards, he's normal. So I think that he always sort of prepped himself, was sort of like gearing up for a career in football. Mm -hmm. What happened? Um, I think that it was just, oh, it's way harder on the body. It's just way harder on the body. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, he still is six feet slight. He's like, uh, he's that, a tiny dude. He's like he's our size. Dude. <laughs> like he wouldn't be one of those athletes where you walk on the street and it was like, oh my God, that's a pro athlete. You wouldn't be able to mm-hmm. tell by looking at him that he's a pro athlete. He's just like a guy. Yeah. He's just like another six foot man. I think he was like six foot, 165 pounds. Nothing. Yeah. So really lean Nothing. Just Which like, is like a tiny human. That's a, t- that's like a normal tiny dude. That's, that, that's asthmatic improv specs. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's just like, yeah. that's like any of our asthmatic improv friends, like yeah. six feet, 160 and out of breath. That's every. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, that was Iverson. That's just everybody. Like, everybody here. we know. So he was a high school phenom, football and basketball superstar, recruited by all the schools everywhere. Georgetown. He went to Georgetown. George, he did mm-hmm. go to Georgetown, but not before high school, senior year of high school. He's 17. Okay. Him and his buddies were at a bowling alley. Now there's oh, a whole yes. documentary about this. Have you seen it? Of course. Of What's course it called? You have. It's called No the Crossover, Cross- The Trial of Allen yeah. Iverson? No crossover. No crossover. Mm-hmm. So he's and 17. Then the trial of the Alan. trial of Alan You Anderson. had it. You had yeah. it. You saw it. You I know. think it's a senior year in high school. He's 17 years old. Him and his buddies are at a bowling alley. A big fight breaks out. A big, like, maybe, I don't even know if it was a gang-related fight, but some big brawl. I think it was race-related. Race-related. I think related. it was race-related. Yeah, it was yeah. like some a group of kids were saying that his group of friends were being too loud. <laughs> right. And then I, I'm sure then everybody got loud. Yes, I'm sure everybody <laughs> got loud. Fists <laughs> flew. Chairs were thrown. Like, people mm-hmm. were assaulted, and it was bad. Iverson was like the celebrity there because again, he's like local high school phenom standout. Everyone knows who this kid is. He's like a local legend hero. He is blamed for it, pinned for it. He gets like set, sentenced for like 10 years. Yeah, something ridiculous. Something absolutely ridiculous. He's tried he as said, an adult. Yeah, he's tried as an adult yes. as a 17-year-old. Yes. He was, it was said that he had hit a woman with a chair. That's right. That he Like hit, he rammed her with a chair. He said, I did not do that. That is absurd. Why would I do that? I'm Alan Iverson. I don't – and again, you have to also understand the, like the guilty part of the guilty pleasure is that like – He's not the best dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's not like the, he's not like Father Teresa. You know what I mean? Like he's, uh, he's, he's not, not like, the Pope of basketball. He's not the yeah. Pope exactly. And like he is a wild narcissist, probably with a healthy misogynist streak for sure. For sure. No doubt about it. However, he was also a 17 year old who got put in a really tight spot and was like wrongfully accused of this thing. And it really kind of messed him up because now, so he's thrown in jail for a little while, but he, he was, he gets out. And then also I think they did another trial and it was that there was insufficient evidence. evidence. Yeah. I I think also straight up the governor of Virginia pardoned him. Pardoned him because he was so good at sports. Yeah. They were like, because he was that good at sports (laughs) that they pardoned him. So 
that sort of incident, though, in his senior year in high school kind of put his college prospects, like, it kind of compromised that a little mm. bit. And a lot of the schools that were recruiting him backed off because they were like, this kid's trouble. He hits mm. ladies with chairs in bowling alleys. Like, we don't want anything to do with him necessarily. And then yeah. legendary basketball coach and sort of like grand poobah of college basketball, like mentor John Thompson, the coach of Georgetown, mm-hmm. who is like, again, throughout sort of the 80s, 90s and whatever was like this real, again, I don't know how else to put it, but a real sort of like uh, elder statesman of college basketball, kind of a moral authority and had a reputation for taking troubled kids, turning them around and making them professional basketball players. That's awesome. Took Iverson under his wing and was like, Mm -hmm. okay, you like freak talent, but clearly emotionally turbulent young man, come with me to Georgetown. Mm -hmm. Allen Iverson went to Georgetown and his his freshman year is 1995, so I'm 12 and it's right in the sweet spot for me. Mm -hmm. I'm 12, a 12 year old who like loves basketball more than anything in the world. Well, I remember (laughs) in the early, in the the mid 90s, I remember like basketball was a a Space Jam. Oh baby. I looked up Space Jam to remind myself (laughs) about Space Jam. Even Bugs Bunny was getting into it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had the soundtrack. Exactly. So Space Jam, so Space Jam was 96. Iverson, so exactly. So this Mm -hmm. is like the end of the, and just for a little larger NBA context, this is the end of the Michael Jordan era of basketball. Michael Jordan Mm -hmm. dominated the NBA and frankly, NBA culture. That's all I knew of basketball my entire life until... Now. Until now, until this moment, probably. Yeah. Exactly. So we're so the NBA was living in this like Jordan shadow for the entirety of the 80s and mid-90s, mm-hmm. culminating in Space Jam. It's like yeah. he basketball was he brought it to the animated masses. Yes. And so like Jordan was everything. So then he retires. So there's a bit of a gap in kind of like, for lack of a better word, like NBA leadership or like who's the face of it. Well, we have mm-hmm. Kobe and Shaq, right? Kobe and Sh- Kobe is a young teen coming into the league. He's also like an 18-year-old prodigy. He's clearly okay. gonna be a freak. He's amazing. So mm-hmm. he's there. Shaq is there too, but there isn't like this. Is Magic Johnson there? Magic Johnson is long gone. He retired even a little bit before Jordan. He was like in the Jordan era. So like, just like this huge golden era of the NBA with the 80s and 90s, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Dr. J, Michael Jordan Mm -hmm. is kind of coming to an end. It's just like that chapter is ending. So Mm -hmm. kind of what's next? Yeah. Enter Allen Iverson into the NBA at like 96. And here comes this Again, like this, this is going to sound culturally insensitive, but just like if you had to like type, here comes like this hood rat, this yeah. like full hood rat into the corporate Michael Jordan. I sell McDonald's and Space Jam and and hamburgers yeah. and Diet Coke, NBA, like corporate NBA. Mm, and here comes Allen Iverson, and he is the opposite. Yeah, he is politically incorrect. He does not toe the company line. He is rude and curses during the post game press conferences. <gasps> he is a little a little uncontrollable, and so good at basketball. You don't Just even like, see him coming. You don't even see, he's literally so you little don't, you don't see him you coming. You don't see him coming. I was watching <laughs> all of these clips and like I watched a lot of clips. Yeah. Like, I, usually I'm like, God oh, bless you, Amanda. look, I, I have like my favorite moves that he does. Yes. I was cheering him on. Yes. I don't even know what year any of these things were happening. Yeah, it was mid just 90s, early, t- early aughts. Delicious. It so was delicious. Such a delight to watch him f- fucking, my favorite thing that he does is he like, Somebody's like not gonna make the basket, yep. and he just like comes out of nowhere and goes boop. Yeah, yeah, and, like, yeah. That's the in. that's the Allen Iverson boop. Boop. That's, that's the, the boop. Iverson boop. 
That's his signature move. Yeah, yeah. He actually says it with his mouth. Boop, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If I could do that, I would boop all the time. I'd, be, I'd boop just all like, the time. Just like the Betty boop. Just Betty like a, boop. Boop. Yeah, exactly. So he gets into the league at 96, and maybe some of the clips that you were watching. So he, so okay, he comes in the league as a rookie. He's a phenom. Yeah. He's instantly unbelievable. Who is he with? The at Philadelphia this point? 76ers. Okay. That's okay. like his home. That's kind of always that's been where his he home go, team. and he left. He came back. He, bun- blah, blah, he blah. bounces around, but he always identifies as a sixer. That's right. That's who drafted cool. him. They drafted him number one of the draft, by the way. And again, I just want to put in context, average height of an NBA player is 6'7". He is 6 feet, 160 pounds. pounds. He is tiny. He's the shortest person who's ever been uh, recruited. Exactly. He broke records with that. He broke all the records. He is diminutive by NBA standards. (laughs) So like that already makes everything he does like quadruply impressive. Yeah. Um, He comes into the league. He sort of, uh, he's famous for this move called the crossover, which is why the documentary is called No Crossover. Got it. A crossover dribble is just like, you know, dribbling from right to left or left to right. Sounds simple enough, but he elevated this very, very simple basketball dribble move and sort of like agility dribble move to Picasso standards. And like the Iverson crossover became legendary. It was like the Jordan tongue out, you know, like soaring through the air. It became his kind of iconic thing. It was like his special move. Well, that's, I was going to even say, like, while I was watching all these things, I was like, he knows how to dribble a basketball. Truly. And that's like coming from somebody who doesn't know the words dribble or basketball. Dribble or basketball. Exactly. I, I've shot a basketball <laughs> into a basketball like, hoop before. <laughs> Thank you, Jackie. I've played basketball. I've played when horse. I was a kid. Oh, I've played a horse. <laughs> and I fucked a horse. I was an Equus. It was true. <laughs> <laughs> Adam's a New York actor, so he had to do it for the research yeah. for that play. Exactly. So Iverson comes in to the league, he's got cornrows, he wears baggy shorts, he is like hip-hop culture personified in this, again, like, fairly buttoned-up corporate sports atmosphere with a mm-hmm. bunch of millionaires, you know what I mean? And, like, yeah. Iverson is this, like, sort of, like, seemingly peeled from the streets and, like, thrown into the NBA. Yeah. It's amazing. He captures everyone's attention and the, and becomes, also becomes the, sort of the flashpoint for this generational argument of, like, again, I'm 13 and he's my favorite because he represents youth culture, hip-hop culture. He's, like, basically my age. You know what I mean? I'm 13. He's 8, 19. He could totally be your babysitter. He's like my babysitter. Yeah. He's, I love how little he is. I love that he doesn't give a F about like the rules and regs and the legacy of the NBA. He calls out Michael Jordan to guard him one-on-one so he can cross him over and embarrass him. <gasps> he did oh cross over God. Michael Jordan. That's correct. Preach, right? baby. You guys, that's okay. sexy. So like he's sexy as hell. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like sexy as hell. That is sexy. So our parents, and again, I'm saying like capital P parents, like our metaphorical parents are like these damn kids, no respect for the game. You know yeah. what I mean? So there was, he definitely kind of typified and personified a bit of a generational divide in NBA fan culture. I miss the old days of Larry and Magic when they had respect for each other and they wore suits like normal men. When do they wear the suits that you're talking about? Okay, so this happens. So Iverson comes into the league. He's uh, dressed like a teenager uh, from Virginia. That's, you know what I mean? Like he dresses teenager, like himself. Yeah. Like a teenager in 1995, 1996. Exactly. A lot of FUBU. So it's like he... <laughs> <laughs> Jenko jeans, FUBU, you know the deal. So, like, he is dressing like himself and bringing his own personality to his world like a normal human, like an interesting, comfortable in his own skin, unwilling to compromise human. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so he's wearing all this, so whatever. Uh, and then the league, David Stern, who's the commissioner at the time, the commissioner of the NBA, uh, it sort of cracks down on it because there is this sort of backlash from the sort of the NBA establishment. A lot of the older players get all grumpy. These damn kids get off my lawn, pull up your pants. Literally, like yeah. the Bill Cosby, pull up your pants bullshit. Yeah. One of these young black kids pull up their pants or setting a bad example, all this hippity hop, this and that. It's so amazing that he said for people to pull up their pants. Uh, yeah, exactly. Ha. Huh. 
Good run. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, <laughs> oh, was that a Bill Chuck Cosby? I think yeah, it was a Cosby a Bill, slam. That was a Cosby well, slam. Welcome to Cosby slam. <laughs> That's um, another podcast <laughs> we should do. Cosby slam with Jackie and Amanda. We just interview all the women that have accused him <laughs> oh, of sexual assault. Watch fifty Jesus. episodes. Exactly. This is a three-month-long podcast. <laughs> um, so, so there's this sort of pull up your pants. Uh, uh, opinion from mm-hmm. like the NBA old guard. I think that the NBA then sort of caved to that opinion and was like, okay, you know what? From now on in all post-game press conferences and when a player is injured and has to sit on the bench and not dress for the game, you used to be able to wear whatever you want and sit on the bench. And I would wear, like I said, tons of FUBU. And just like wear, sit on the bench, like wearing all his like huge iced out things, diamond earrings and the thing, cornrows. He looked fly as hell. Do-rags. Yeah. Looked amazing. Okay. Sits on the bench. Uh, and, and he's not going to be playing. Not, that, okay. That's like if you were injured or again, Got like it. in the post-game press conference after the game is over, you go to the podium and Iverson was wearing his clothes. David Stern and the league and the sort of establishment had a problem with that and said, okay, here's the new rule. Everyone needs to be in suits, both on the bench and in all post-game press conferences, it's suits. That is the dress code. The NBA now has a dress code. A literal dress code because of him, because of Allen Iverson. Wow. So that was he was sort of the impetus for this re-corporatifying, I would say, of sort of the NBA, at least in the dress code context. Mm-hmm. Can I just bring this to 2016, Will 2015? You please? Won't you? Well, I remember reading there was a lot of uh, controversy with Steph Curry and bringing his daughter on with the uh, with the little uh, thing, and yeah. I, that, that's kind of re- so. It's actually very interesting. So we had like 80s, 90s basketball that was very like corporate, tied up, buttoned up, men, 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 and then like 90s. Now we have Allen Iverson bringing in this like new pop cultural element yeah, baby. like a little mm-hmm. bit of like a hood element to it and then we got Steph Curry in like the 20 teens who's like here's my baby exactly <laughs> and the reason that Curry is really criticized for that is because they so Steph Curry is like the, the modern day Allen Iverson and I yeah. should also just say I, I know who he is Steph Curry yeah. so Steph Curry's game he would be the first to admit is patterned exactly after Allen Iverson yeah. Steph Curry as literally being our age probably younger yeah honestly. he is younger than us and he has a baby god damn it I yeah. mean like so, <laughs> you can afford it babe I think he's younger than my sister I think think he's like 23 or 24. That really hurts hurts my personal feelings. I don't want to talk about it. So like Steph Curry and all these guys that are in the league now uh, looked up like – they idolize Iverson. Yeah. It's just like Iverson was the guy for them, especially little guys like Steph Curry, who's also six feet nothing, yeah. 150 pounds soaking wet. Like Curry looks at Iverson and was like, that is the platonic ideal. You know what I mean? Like, so exactly. So the reason that Steph Curry gets a lot of flack for bringing his adorable little daughter to the press conferences is because people think that that shields him from tough questions. Oh. They're like, you're bringing your daughter there almost as a prop. So, so the... Again, tough it questions. Is. It's basketball. Again, and I should also yeah. just say this. The other guilty sort of aspect of the guilty pleasure is that sports are dumb. Sports yeah. don't matter. Yeah. Sports just, do not matter. It's actually <laughs> a game. It's a literal game. It's a child's game that adults are playing. So I yeah. never lo- I am not one of these like deep down the rabbit hole sports fans that thinks it matters. I, I have a deep profound cellular knowledge of how futile and meaningless these sports games are. I know how meaningless and dumb they are. So even to care this much, I'm a 34-year-old man and I still love Allen Iverson. I'm embarrassed. So like that's the also another part of like the guilt aspect of the guilty pleasure. Why do I like this sports man so much still? I'm an adult. Well, you know what I mean? (laughs) I mean it sounds like it makes quite the impression on you. Like you know you you were at the pinnacle impressionable age like yeah. you know exactly. right before 13 like you exactly. know 11 12 you know like, I still love my parents but I'm trying to figure out what my identity is gonna be <laughs> exactly I still love my parents. yes your like, parents are delightful so like, that's yep. easy thanks, for Amanda. my example like when I was that age like that's when Harry Potter came out and that's why like oh, I'm old. a fucking Harry Potter like nerd exactly yeah. so like that and a lot of people are but yeah. uh, but you know like that age is very guilty pleasures guilty pleasures and what I've noticed one of the things from doing this podcast is finding out when people 
people yeah. got into their guilty pleasure. That's right. Because it has a tendency to be when you're impressionable and when you still can socially get excited about something and be passionate about it and no one's going to say anything to you about it because you're like in your room by yourself, like flipping through these geeking magazines out or about geeking it. out about it or watching those games or like reading those books. You exactly. Know? So it, it comes at a time that like, of course, it's going to like leave an imprint on Yes. You. And it mirrored this. It's exactly just to echo what you said, Jackie. It's like, love my parents, but want to establish my own identity. Mm-hmm. And that kind of felt like what Alan Iverson was doing. So there was a real parallel between like 13 year olds. I was I was a good boy with good parents, but still like to think of myself as a badass. Yeah. <laughs> was the was the categorical <laughs> empirical opposite, but wanted to think of myself as an iconoclast rebel, obviously. Mm-hmm. 13-year-old that says, fuck you to my rabbi. You know what I mean? It's just like, that's why I, I wanted to I wanted to see myself in Allen Iverson. What was the theme yeah. of your bar mitzvah? Was it basketball? Themeless, baby. Whoa, you went themeless? That's the kind of iconoclast I am. You went themeless. <laughs> just had a lunch in my Nana's apartment complex. Yeah, you <laughs> did. <laughs> Fucking low-key. Wait, so you didn't have a candle dedication ceremony? Not, 13 candles for your 13 best friends? Not really. And this one's for Moira. Thank you, my Moira, for being my rock. You just like I've, little poems. You know that I've been to like 70 bar mitzvahs. because I You grew up in Queens. Well, no. I oh. never went as a guest. I only worked as one as a cater waiter, oh, oh, a yeah, Jewish baby. catering oh, hall. Oh, I bet you did. I bet a you Jewish have some caterator. stories to tell. What was, your favorite, what was your favorite theme at Yeah, I bet you saw some pretty amazing There was two owners to the catering hall and one of them uh, he held a bat mitzvah for his daughter and what he did was he used all of the vendors ever that would ever come in and he made this giant bat mitzvah because it was a tax write off because it's a showcase of what we can do and his his girl's uh, bat mitzvah theme was Wizard of Oz and like no fucking joke like they put the uh, they put the deus like on this like glass like platform with like it looked like the Iron Throne but no it looked like like Emerald City like as the deus you guys I would have loved just like full art direction yeah I would have lost my shit. My one that. tiny little indulgence that I allowed myself on my bar mitzvah and this could be an entirely separate episode of Guilty Pleasures Ooh. the podcast. Do you guys know what gefilte fish is? Yes. yes. Okay. Do you like gefilte fish? No. no. Okay, exactly. So I do and I do feel guilty about it and I had my Israeli bar mitzvah caterers make just me, Adam the bar mitzvah boy, my own plate of gefilte fish. <laughs> how big was this? How big was it? Too big. And I just like sat there and ate it and everyone just like looked at me disgusted and I just like ate this fish and only I had it and only I ate it. Oh, well, I'm okay. So my my favorite 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 thing of all Jackie, time. This, it's... My favorite meal of all time. Like if I ever get sentenced to the death penalty, this is what I'm gonna order. Yes. It's a uh, hupametzia and dipping. Hupametzia. Hupametzia is basically like the German word for like cutting things into little bite-sized pieces. <laughs> so when I was a kid, my grandma would cut a bagel into hupametzia and then she would give me a uh, dipping. And I loved this dipping. I was like, this dipping is the fucking yes, shit. Yes. Find out when I'm 16, it's whitefish salad. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, you mean dipping? Oh, you mean dope ass dipping from when I was young? Oh, that's whitefish? <laughs> oh. And it smells for months? You're like, I, yeah, yeah. Can, I can have this anytime? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so whitefish salad is like whitefish salad. my favorite thing on the planet. So you get it. You get it. You get <laughs> I don't. I don't. You, no it, one you gets gefilte fish. No, I, I, I still don't get gefilte fish. I can meet you halfway at whitefish yes. salad, but I can't go yes. all the way with gefilte yeah. fish. So you're, I'm at that bar mitzvah age. I'm 13. I fancy myself on Iconoclast. I see this bad at, at – we should also say about Alan Iverson that he literally uh, uh, started a rap career. 
He also yes. literally became a rapper. I was so interested on how you bars. enjoy it. 40 bars. Uh, so we, I, I heard on Wikipedia that it was never released, so you've heard the song. Yeah, yes. heard, yeah you can hear I, it. Oh, it's, it's out there. Oh, it's please. on YouTube. Okay. It's on YouTube. And there is a long and storied history of like athlete-musician crossovers. Musicians want to be athletes. Athletes want to be musicians. That's kind of like an understood sort of mythology of those two worlds. Yeah. And there's tons of crossover. We can also, by the way, get to the Allen Iverson Ice Cube joint venture that just began, which is like three-on-three <gasps> league that Iverson just started with Ice Cube, speaking of the rap to basketball player crossover. I can't wait to hear about this because Max started telling me about it and I was like, save it. Save it. I want to I wanna hear it from Adam. Exactly. I want to know. Save I wanna, it. I just, so I only know yes. like the first two sentences of whatever you're going to Beautiful. say. Beautiful. And then I'm going to be surprised. So just to rewind it, am I yammering too much? No. That's what I a podcast is, right? Okay. Yeah. Yammer yeah. away. So, okay. Please yammer. So Iverson breaks into the league. He's crossing dudes up like what? And he is insane. He wins <laughs> rookie of the year. He's the scoring champion of the NBA at six foot nothing, which is just, again, it's... He's so tiny. It's crazy. If you don't know him, watch a clip and you'll be blown away. Everyone else on the court is a half a foot taller than him at least. Everyone else. Everyone else. He he puts people in perspective. Okay. You're like, oh, when everybody kind of is the same (gasps) height, you're like, oh, okay. It's like when you put a big fish next to a tiny fish and you're like, look how big this fish is. Yes, exactly. I can make a white fish salad with this. With that. Jackie. This one, not so much. Exactly. Exactly. So he is a superstar as soon as he gets into the league. He is dunking on on fools. He is six feet tall. He <laughs> trash talks so much. He wears incredible jeans to the post-game press conference. He is just like a so hero. So he never did the, He did he go, did he conform to the suit? No, I think he just got fined. I think he just like dressed the way he wanted and just paid the fine. Cool. You know Good what I mean? Him. I think. Wow. I think, I think, I think. Yeah. Or maybe they installed that rule after he was fully out of the league, one of the two, but I, I can't ever see everything conforming. Can okay. we talk about the, uh, what is practice, vid- what this is, wait, yes. with the practice, practice. video? Yes, this is a famous video of his where it was I believe it was what after year was this okay so that may be like I'm guessing here but I want to say that's like 97 or 98 and I believe it was after they lost a playoff series to the Celtics mm. and everyone was bummed out he was getting a lot of criticism and Larry Brown his then coach who he had a very sort of hot and cold relationship with again he's a temperamental diva like mm-hmm. I just want to say like he's not the best dude he's also a selfish narcissist maniac so he's at the podium his coach Larry Brown had mentioned that he missed that Iverson had mispracticed maybe that was why they lost the reporters questioned him about it and as is as goes the famous Video? YouTube clip. We talking about practice. We're talking about practice. Not even a get. We're talking about practice. Do I, pl- pra- do, 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 do I play the practice. game? Practice. Yeah, yeah. So he is so incensed that, and that's the other funny thing about Iverson is that he like nowadays in the post Iverson like almost post internet age and like analytics. And now that there's all this like big data has sort of informed like the Nate Silver era of sports sort of like research. Mm-hmm. And now data is such a big part of it. And these coaches and GMs literally have it down to an algorithm how many minutes each player can play to maximize their rest what the efficiency is what how many shots a player can take that's most efficient everything's like very kind of like mathematized now wow now in a way that it wasn't baseball before but is it now only kind of just recently in the nba Mm -hmm. and it's like uh for instance steph curry plays for the warriors and there's a whole philosophy now which is like only take three pointers they're more efficient either take a dunk or a three-pointer no mid-range jump shots no you know what i mean like and that is like a new philosophy in the nba that's about maximizing efficiency that is insane Insane. And it's like a, the big data algorithm, Nate Silverifying of the league, which is like, well, it's most efficient to only take threes because they're worth more than twos. That is insane that that is actually happening. Absolutely. And That's... it's ubiquitous. So 
in so now that that's happened it's just also funny to look at Iverson's career in retrospect and how not that he was how inefficient yeah. he was if he played in the league today because he's so little and because his game is so full throttle the coaches would limit his minutes to maybe 25 minutes a game wow. they would only let him shoot probably like 15 shots a game and it would be much more micromanaged but in the NBA back then he's a little guy there aren't all these analytics and big data floating around to be like well he's tiny so rest him a lot so dude is playing every minute of every game going as hard as he possibly can for every single minute of every game be, uh, despite wow. being the littlest guy on the court and that just wouldn't fly today Steph Curry is treated with much more kid gloves than Iverson yeah, ever was much more care and much more care gentle they're like delicate little flowers that need maximum protection to elongate their careers mm -hmm. Iverson was playing at a time where he went a million fucking miles an hour and was like I don't care if I crash he and burn he got hurt a ton all too. the time all the time they were like <laughs> doing I watched this video where they like sh like pinpoint where every injury he had yeah and he was just a red dot constant by the end. <laughs> and that would be what coaches and, and his and his staff would prevent from happening these days mm -hmm. if you played in the league now they'd be like well we're not getting you injured because you're our financial investment we want to make you last for 20 years in this league that is insane I don't know how I feel about that I'm feeling a little like eh about it tell me because like I feel like if you're micro if you're like if you're hacking your basketball game that much yes like that's not is it really now a like is are we really now like going on like raw talent or are we taking away like some chance and some element with the game that would be the equivalent of like you saying to us the vanities yes. like oh you only write blackout sketches and you only write runners because they're most like, efficient statistically most efficient. they get the most laughs and they're the most efficient like that's, that's exactly not right. cool I feel like in a way yeah. of like you know athletes to an extent are like artists in that they play the let them play they play in the way they play and Preach. that's what makes them unique and that's what made Alan Iverson so uh, attractive to you as a young impressionable youth well said yeah. and like I don't like I don't know if I like that yeah, I don't know if I boops, like it either how many boops would Alan get no if he if he would not have been able to boop boopless no boop boopless boopless, boopless in Seattle Alan. exactly yeah. boopless <laughs> yeah. in Seattle. no I totally in Philadelphia in Philadelphia Philadelphia. <laughs> does that have the same ring to it yeah I, and that's why I mean again I know that you guys aren't necessarily NBA fans and it's just so funny that this is I now just like an NBA time. podcast it we're just is. talking it's about official. the NBA well no we it's just, fine one of the best things about going on this podcast is being able is being able to learn about things that we wouldn't normally explore so this this past season the Steph Curry led Golden State Warriors who mm -hmm. are the poster team for this analytics heavy again I gotta find a better way of saying it than like the Nate Silver era of NBA which is like well this is what's most efficient so do that you know hacking. what I mean you can call the, it basketball the hacking basketball, yeah. the hacking of basketball these Warriors Ooh. they represent the ultimate hacked basketball team they are and they are unbeatable they're like the Russians truly <laughs> truly they like ha they, they, they hacked, hacked it. it they figured it out Steph Curry only takes either layups or 45 footers and it works uh, they have Draymond Green who's at the center of their offense that kind of does everything this sort of point forward position that LeBron James sort of invented uh, then they went out and got Kevin Durant the other best basketball player in the world mm -hmm. so like these these Warriors I mean the future of the NBA is a little daunting for if, for any team that's not the Warriors because mm -hmm. they hacked it they yeah. did it they wow. figured it out and they are all nigh impossible to defeat they're very hard to beat but the where, Iverson era was yeah. completely different anyway it was where, just a different time for the NBA where are we now with um, basketball that's still going on right now. No, right? because or the no, Warriors cleaned up and cleaned, cleaned out, up. and they wanted they they took care of the LeBron James led Cavaliers in five games. So right. that series wow. ended weeks ago. Holy uh, shit! Season over. Season over. Yikes. Um, back to Iverson. 
Yeah, if you don't please, mind. please, by all Go means. For it. Iverson is in the league a few years with the Philadelphia 76ers, single-handedly turned them from worst to first, okay? They were the worst, which is why they had the number one pick to draft him, and he was in the league for a few <gasps> right. years. Now they rule, because he's that sick, okay? Yeah, when you're the worst, you get to do your first pick. Exactly. I always There's thought that was interesting. Lottery system. Now, you mentioned his coach. Uh, what was his name Larry again? Brown. Larry was, Brown. Yes. Hot and cold relationship. Super the hot and cold. The two of them were very tumultuous. Very much so. And he almost got kicked off of the 76ers. So many times. So many times because of that. Yeah, go. So yeah. many times. Yeah, I mean, like I said, Iverson is, I mean, like, for as awesome as he was, I mean, the other thing about his, like, representing this hip-hop culture and being sort of personifying this hip-hop culture was he was very me first. He was very, like, I'm yeah. going to get mine. I'm the star of this team. I'm going to shoot 50 shots a game. I'm the best player on the team. Give me the ball. Watch yeah, me do my share. thing. I'm amazing at yeah. this. And he was right. He was amazing. He was the best player on his team, but he was like, I'm sure a difficult teammate. I'm sure a diva in the locker room. I'm sure if I was coaching him, he'd be a headache. I'm sure if I was married to him, it would be, be a headache. That. You know what I mean? It's just like, he he's not, he's no saint. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And much, and the players that sort of have come after him, the Steph Currys, the LeBron Jameses of the world are much more, what's the right word for it? Generous, uh, diplomatic, democratic, mm -hmm. uh, a little less egomaniacal on the surface. The sort of me first, let me get mine. Let me show off what I can do on the court, like mano a mano. That has kind of faded with the hacking, with the Nate Silverification of the league. It's like we all do it together. We win if we all win. Also, mm -hmm. with the culture of, uh, with now the culture that is in our in, in these last few years, which is very like PC and very like all inclusive. Oh, yeah. Exactly. So mm -hmm. I can totally see how an Iverson now wouldn't necessarily would not. Hit. People would be like, "Fuck this guy, he's a dick." Exactly. And in the social, in like internet age, again, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Dwayne. Wade, Chris Paul, they're all like Instagram friends, Twitter, you see them like hanging out on social media. It's yeah. just a different climate that it's like, because they are in their 20s and 30s. They're also millennials with iPhones. We've grown, grown up with iPhones. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, there is a collaborative energy to the internet. You know what I yeah, mean? That like there's a community and people see you at home. It's such a different, it's such a different thing to see somebody on the court and in a press conference versus see them sport press conference and also like what they're doing on the fourth. It humanizes July. them in a way that Iverson never had that opportunity. He was only this scary black youth. Mm -hmm. He just like represented to a lot of like, you know, frankly, scared white America. He was like the, the exact scary black youth that they're afraid of, mm -hmm. that yeah. their kids are idolizing. Well, we he actually, represented that exactly. We actually talked about this a lot in the episode that we talked about Entourage too, mm. which is like, okay, this is all like pre-social media. Mm -hmm. This is where people were a lot less accessible. And I think you could add a lot of like, you could insist a lot of stereotypes. You could insist a you lot of your put, own ideals yeah. about a Your person. mind fills in all the blanks. Exactly. Yes, the blanks. yes exactly. Because right now I could go on Steph Curry's, I follow Steph Curry and Aisha Curry. Yeah. And I think <laughs> Aisha Curry. Yeah. She's, she, she's, she's a like, delight. she's a delight. Yeah. And I go and you can see and like, oh, they love each other. That's so cute. Yeah. I would love to have brunch with them. That's what I'm saying. It's a much kinder, gentler NBA now. And the irony being that when Iverson came into the league and uh, in the 90s, the older statesmen then were like, look at this rap scallion with his do rags and his baggy shorts, this piece of whatever, this like hood mm -hmm. trash, hood rat, whatever. Like, there's always going to be that generational thing of like, well, when I was doing it, it was better. And now, Iverson is the old elder statesman, and he looks at players like Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, uh, LeBron James, who are all buddy-buddy and who team up together and who don't want to play against each other. They want to be on the same team. And Iverson and his generation now judge these youngins oh, and are like, wow. well, back when I was doing it, I would never join up with my rival. I, I yeah. want to defeat my rival. I don't want to be on the same team as him. So who was Allen's rival? 
That's a good question. Because I, I know that there's like a Kobe thing and him, right? Or I mean, no? I would say only in as much as like, like we kind of hit on before, they were both sort of the heirs apparent to the Michael Jordan mantle of like who's going to be the next face of the NBA now mm-hmm. that Jordan's gone post Space Jam. Like who is going to be who's going to be the alpha dog? Yeah. Of the NBA, and it was like Kobe, definitely. I, and so like in that way, that Kobe and Iverson were sort of the two. I don't know, most natural sort of successors to the Michael Jordan mantle of whatever. Mm -hmm. Another cool thing about Iverson, which made him kind of iconoclasty, is that Jordan made Nike. Jordan, Michael Jordan made Nike. Yeah. And like before the sort of like Air Jordan campaign, I mean like this, again, whole separate podcast about like the marketing genius of the NBA and what Michael Jordan means to like commercialism in the United States is Mm -hmm. actually huge and unbelievable um and uh nike so nike was everything they almost had like a stranglehold on the league they were like so dominant because of michael jordan iverson comes in iverson deliberately goes with reebok wow so it was like another like subtle thing of like my the sneaker because like again in nba culture like sneakers are a big deal who what sneaker brand you sign with is like a big deal and like yeah. means a lot and it's also worth a lot. So it's like kind of a, a literal big deal, but also like emotionally a big deal. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he like splintered from Nike and went with Reebok was also sort of like a nod to how kind of like, I'm going to make my own path in this league kind of yeah. thing he was. So in that way, Kobe and Iverson, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't know if they're like direct rivals necessarily. They did play against each other in the NBA finals in 2001. Kobe mm-hmm. won that one, but they were like, you know, I would say peers, contemporaries. Gotcha. I don't know if he had a necessarily like a, a one person that was like his rival necessarily. Gotcha. Almost like the rest of the world. Yeah. Iverson's rival was almost like <laughs> literally everybody else. I was just about to say that. Yeah. I, like from reading his Wikipedia page and like seeing how all the ways that he's, but he was like transferred to like different teams and whatnot. Yes. I would say that almost his 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 rival was the NBA. Yeah. Traditionalism. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like traditionalism. Exactly. Sidebar, the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. That's a hilarious name <laughs> for a team. I laughed for about five minutes. Just because it's like, why? Because your brain goes to chicken nuggets? Is yeah, that why? Immediately, oh, okay. It immediately goes to chicken nuggets. I told Matt, I was like, the Denver He's like, nuggets like gold. I'm like, no, nuggets no. like chicken. <laughs> no, nuggets like chicken. I never thought of that Ever. Yes. That's brilliant. Well, yes. d- yeah, because color gold, gold, gold. Yeah, right. Gold, it's yeah. gold. It's gold, yeah. right? Gold, yeah. gold up like, in them. Wow, holes. I didn't realize that Colorado had a thing with chickens. Uh, yeah, like, wow. chickens. They love McDonald's they there. Love what a great brand integration. Oh, he only yeah, played really? like a couple yeah. games for the Nugs, though. Yeah, the Nugs. <laughs> and it's like, now do you mean weed? Like, yeah. it also sort of, um, like, means, the like... The Colorado Nugs? Yeah, like, now it, like, also yeah, means well, now, weed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Colorado actually does have That's that. right. So All Iverson right. is in, on the Philadelphia 76ers for the first, maybe, I don't know, eight or ten years of his career. He's, like, beloved there. He brings them to the NBA Finals, like, a place that they hadn't been since the 80s. He is beloved. He is the star. He is the reason that they're great. They never won, though, with him, right? Did not. Lost to Kobe and Shaq. <gasps> oh, Lost guys. to Kobe and Shaq in 2001. Uh, but Iverson put on a show, scored maybe 51 or something, or like 48 or 51 in the first game of the finals, and was like, this kid is sick. Yeah. Again, he's six feet. Kobe is six seven. Shaq is seven foot one. Seeing them, like, like face off okay. was, it's incredible. You know what I mean? Like, Iverson comes up to Shaq's belly button like we all do. <laughs> like we all would and do. And he boops it. And he boops it. Boop. So he's in he's in Philadelphia for years. He's winning the MVP in 2001, scoring title maybe four times over, leads the league in steals, makes the All-Star game every year, plays for the Olympics, is incredible. Oh, Puts wow. the Sixers on the map, is like a hero for many, and is like uh, an amazing player in the league. Starts to tra- his career injuries, again, because he isn't living in the Nate Silver era, he's playing 40 minutes a game, not 30, and mm-hmm. his career is shorter because there aren't he's all He's getting the- screwed up. 
He's getting yeah. screwed up. Like he's, he's a big red dot. He's, he's injured. Big everywhere. red dot. He's a human injury. So <laughs> it just like, sort of takes his toll. As you know, Father Time is undefeated. That's what they say, and it's just like he, like time just wears on you, body, especially if you're six feet and playing like a banshee, yeah. like he does, playing you're like playing a freaking banshee as hard, and you're playing as hard as possible. Did you ever get to see him play of in course, real life? Did. Yeah, yeah. How, was was that? how was that? He had a particularly bad game, and I felt like very special to, to witness that. He shot like two for fourteen, and they lost by a hundred. I was like, I still love it. <laughs> still this love just him. means he's human. Yeah, I, like, I got to witness him more. It. Yeah, yeah. Look at him go. So he was there for a few years, and then yes, he got bounced around after sort of the heyday of his career. He got bounced around to the Denver Nuggets, dude, and then he went to like the Memphis Grizzlies. He was there for a while, and he kind of bounced around on some other teams. Ended up back in Philly at the end of his career, almost yeah. as like a players will do that sometimes. If they know they're going to retire, they'll just go back to their home game. They'll just like re sign with their original team, literally for like a day. And he only made like a million dollars or something like that. It's like a gesture. It's just a gesture. Did he only, how long did he play with them after he? After he went back, it was literally like for maybe for like a few weeks or months and then it was gone. It was like definitely like a symbolic gesture. Like, and I'll end my career with the team that was loyal to me. Yeah, a little bookend. Kind of thing. Now it gets sad. Now the Iverson story takes a turn for the sad after he leaves the NBA. And this is something that happens, I think, to a lot of. People like the MC Hammer thing of like people who make who have no money and then literally overnight have all the money Mm -hmm. and it's fucked up and it's like it's problematic and it's the sort of like NBA players um, coming from again I don't want to be you know like whatever insensitive here but like in general these guys that come from sort of rough neighborhoods and maybe even like gang ties etc and then again overnight literally Mm -hmm. overnight get millions and millions of dollars and now I have 70 million dollars this is a thing this is one of the reasons why there's I I actually was speaking to a man about this earlier this is the Mm -hmm. reason why there's class systems in America so that's coming from like a scarcity mindset which is basically like if you grow up in poverty or you grow up with not a lot of money and all of a sudden you have a lot a of lot money. Of the same thing happens with lottery winners. Yep. Yeah. They fucking blow it all and they end up bankrupt because exactly. they, uh, the rich don't like to share their secrets as to how they're rich. Precisely. So like, I mean, yeah. even just think about your financial education and like, do you guys, do any of you guys none. know how to make money? Cause Zero. I don't. Zero. All I know is how to like have a job and like have a salary and squirrel away a hundred bucks a month. That's right. Like that's it. I know how to turn mm-hmm. money into pasta. <laughs> and just like for that night. Exactly. For that own yeah. night. For that very night. It's so fucked up. So exactly. yeah. Continue where you're going. So that's no, what that- happens to so where I know nothing about where he is now. So I'm assuming it's it's a so it got it, it got grizzly. I mean, it just got grizzly for him. He I think he struggled with alcoholism. I think he struggled with gambling. I think he's you know what I mean. He also just had like, like five kids and had to pay alimony. Kids, and like, divorce, and yeah. just like it kind of got rough. He didn't manage his money. M- many of these athletes do not manage their money. And again, I say uh, athletes, and also MC Hammer was the sort of hip hop cautionary tale of that. Mm-hmm. Who overnight had like a billion bucks, and the next day had zero somehow because he bought like seventy five bank. Tigers, and it was yeah. like, well, why'd you do that? Yeah, <laughs> you just yeah, need seventy. Could. You don't need seventy-five. <laughs> yeah, you don't. Yeah, it's just like so. Anyway, that happened to Iverson. He wasn't again because he was iconoclasty weird. He wasn't going to be one of those players that like puts on a suit and becomes a commentator like so many ex athletes yeah. do. He's not that guy. Nope. Okay. Yeah. He's not going to have a rap career because he's not that good at rapping no. to like actually have a career at it. You know. Mm-hmm. So he just kind of got weird, moved to Charlotte, raised his kids, kind of, got in a bunch of financial trouble, gambled his money away, drank the rest of it away. Kind of sad. Um, it, you know, sort of had to piece together a life, alimony, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
uh, and uh, eventually he's kind of like pulled himself up out of the boot. And this is another reason I really respect him as a human and not just as an athlete is because there's he has humility. There's a real humility about him. He really kind of hit rock bottom and was like uh, willing to admit that, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think so many athletes – you know, especially just like, you know, men, there's there's a patriarchal element to it that's like never wanting to admit defeat, never wanting to admit you're wrong, never wanting to admit you're broke. Never, and like, never an ask alcoholic, for help. Never ask for help. Yeah. Never ask for help. That's what we men do. That's what we like. Successful, powerful men. We never ask for help. Iverson did. You know what I mean? And like he hit rock bottom and he was like, help. You know what I mean? He was like... Help me, please. So, who did he? Who, how did? I mean, I think he, he got help with his addiction stuff, gotcha. with his alcoholism stuff, okay. which again, like, is no small thing, obviously, no, that's a to huge do that. Thing. Yeah. And uh, I think, like, he, yeah, he borrowed money when he needed to. I think he, like, sort of scraped around for money when he had to. He wasn't precious about it. He's unprecious about his own legacy, mm-hmm. which I think is is one of the things that I admire about him. And now, uh, so most recently, he and Ice Cube. Started nice. started this that literally like just launched last week, like l- late June. Um, started this three on three basketball league, maybe called like the Big Three or something. Yeah, Big what three? is that? It's called the Big Three, but it's it's three on three, which just made me think of or the Three's Company. Three's Company, yeah, yeah, three's exactly. Company, yeah, Iverson is in the new remake of Three's Company. Yeah. He'll be playing the John Ritter it's role. Be great. Yeah, it's and be great. Sally Struthers. <laughs> <laughs> He's, He's playing all, all three parts. Characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really Dan <laughs> Summers is co- making a comeback. It's a weird so, career turn could, for him. Do athlete rapper, but can do athlete, athlete actor. Sitcom star. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they're starting this three on three league that's like basically for washed up players for like guys like Iverson for like older players who are can't play in the league anymore but still are good mm-hmm. like Iverson's probably I don't know 41 or 42 at this point the dude can ball better than anyone we know you know what yeah. I mean so it's just like he can still play three on three at an elite level yeah and also side note three on three basketball is going to be an Olympic sport in like <gasps> the next couple of Olympics really? it's three on three so I think that this league is almost like a like not a tester for that or like a feet breeding ground for like the Olympics but maybe it kind of is. Well, That's interesting. Really well, he's cool. not. He's not even forty. He's what forty? Forty-one? Maybe, maybe. Like really not that old. Not like, old, old, old by pro athlete standards, but yeah. not like old by human life standards. By human life standards, he's actually like you know. Fine. Exactly. He's doing yeah, fine. Right? He's, He's doing, doing fine. Yes. And that's the other thing. It's like that's the other existential mindfuck of being a pro athlete that you your prime years are from 16 to 30. And by yeah. the time you're 30, like the your best is behind you. And like what that must do to a person's psyche. You have There's, 60 more years of yeah. life to live, but your best is behind it's you. It's kind of like models and like <laughs> exactly. uh, young, where do you young go after women, that? ballet dancers, women in yeah. like, you know, modeling, and stuff. even film, you know, like, you know, women being, you know, there's all there's a whole mind fuck about getting older that is so fucked up. It's fucked up. Yeah. But it's like so embedded in culture. And it, it exactly. Blows. And it applies to, to exactly all women, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> and athletes. Yeah. Athletes is where men feel it the most. Is like, oh, your purpose is done. Like, you're a discarded old nothing now. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, where ha- do you go after that? You drink and you gamble and you're sad. Yeah. Or you're Kobe Bryant. Or, or, you know what I mean? And again, that's the cautionary Allen Iverson tale. A lot of other athletes did it a lot of different ways. Kobe Bryant, like, so Allen Iverson, another thing is like, Allen Iverson's relatable. Like, he, because he has foibles and flaws, mm-hmm. and because he has a weird relationship with his wife, and because he has kids out of wedlock and it's weird, and because he dresses in weird clothes and it's weird, and because he tries rapping because he likes it, and because, like, he's he a just, human being. He yeah. also just doesn't give, like, he's not worried about, like, offending anyone. He's not exactly. afraid to fail. Not afraid and he to actually, fail. He says that, but, like, it's, I mean, it's apparent yes. that he is not afraid to fail. You, and then contrasted with Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant mold, which failure is not not 
an option. And there's this like Ayn Rand, clear eyed, psych- almost psychopathic drive that like a Jordan and a Kobe Bryant have that mm-hmm. to me is e- almost evil, like bordering on evil. You know what I mean? <laughs> bordering on like, like Michael Jordan is, and Kobe Bryant are ruthless competitors, win at all costs, say the right thing. N- they never say, a, they never misspeak. They never say a wrong thing because they're so safe. They're like politicians, mm-hmm. essentially. They comport themselves and they treat their career as though they're politicians. Michael Jordan, when he was selling, like in the 90s, very famously, like his shoes were flying off the shelves like hotcakes, one of his teammates, Craig Hodges, asked him to, uh, anyway, he famously said, they they asked him about politics. It was like weird Clinton-Bush stuff. It was like they asked him some political question, and he deliberately didn't take a stance because he said, hey, look, Republicans buy sneakers too. So, like, there is a ruthless, capitalistic, succeed-at-all-costs strain in Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, specifically, who modeled every single aspect of his personality after Michael Jordan, like, psychopathically driven. And Iverson just isn't that. He just isn't that. That Jordan-Kobe mold of, like, I'm never going to say a wrong thing. I'm going to look impeccable at all times. I'm going to present my my public persona, like with as much sort of craftsmanship and care as like Jay-Z and Beyonce, I'm essentially president. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm never going to say a wrong thing and the world will think I'm perfect and flawless and cross my T's and dot my I's. Mm-hmm. Iverson is a public shit show. Just like <laughs> living his messy, scruffy, weird, sad, gambly, alcoholism-y life in public for all of us to see. Yeah. Not apologizing for it. Like, takes his lumps, knows he's good at basketball, knows he's bad at being a dad sometimes, is owns up to his flaws, like, isn't trying to, like, pretend that he's, like, some perfect robot basketball corporate machine, yeah. like, that Jordan and Kobe are. There are their own industries in and of themselves, their own corporations, like Kobe Inc., Michael Jordan Inc. Iverson just isn't that. Yeah. And that is, to me, like one of the reasons that he is the best. What a one, <laughs> that is actually a wonderful ending. Yeah. We are yeah. at an hour, oh, great. so okay, that great. is like uh, that. That was, that was great. All right. All right. I think that, that was we beautifully all, done. I think we should all aim to have a little bit, like a dash of Iverson in at our person. More than a dash. A we should have at least Tables a boop. boop. Okay, a little boo. I'm wearing a little boo. I'm wearing all Fubu right now. You guys can't see, but I'm <laughs> head to toe in Fubu. <laughs> um, would you like to promote or plug anything? Uh, this okay. is going to go yes. live yeah. next Sunday night. Okay. Well, I would like to say that uh, the Vanities have shows Aww. the second Saturdays of every month here at the Nerdist oh, School. Thanks. So the next one yeah. after this airs will be August Jill. whatever. August twelfth. Whatever the second August Saturday that is. Second Saturday. The second Saturday. My sketch group, Harvard Sailing Team, has shows the first Saturday of the month, very same space. Um, so please, Saturday nights, come to the Nerdist School and watch Sketch Comedy. Yes. Yeah. Please do. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, so guys. Right. Thank you for having this me. This was, was amazing. a blast. Thank this was very fun. You. This was so fun. Thank, Thank you. you, guys. Thank y'all. Okay, bye. Let's just do a really quick intro. You can listen to it, but we just do it every time. The Nerdist School Network. For class and show information, visit nerdistschool.com.